Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Back again for a Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers with you. I'm probably... About a week late on this, but uh, I did want to get one last thing in that I am thankful for uh, this year. And I, I should have recalled this last week, Ray. Uh, but it hit me square between the eyes this morning. I am thankful, Ray, that for the most part, we've had like two and a half, three months of no Aaron Rodgers. That's I, I didn't realize it, but it's it's still there. It's lurking. But compared to the last two years, Ray, we've gotten much less Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, that kind of ends today because because he's back in the news again today. He is. And uh, Jeff Manns and I uh, had a discussion yesterday before the Elite Sports Show. That's on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Monday through Friday from 3 to 5. I'm on every Wednesday. So we're doing kind of our pre-show talk. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of theories. And I guess we can get into those on the show about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but he is in the news, and unfortunately, we will have to talk about him today. Yes, and he may be back. Miracle, in fact, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we will discuss Aaron Rodgers perhaps returning before the season is over, and should that alter your game plan for the fantasy football playoffs? Ray and I will discuss that. Uh, we've got some other QB switcheroos taking place uh, into Week 13. Uh, New England appears to have made a decision as to who they're going with. Cleveland might be going with a new name that is a very old name. And uh, yes, indeed, Minnesota is actually thinking about a switch during their bye week. I don't know why, but they are. Uh, speaking of switches, here's a stash for you. Should you stash Chase Brown in Cincinnati? Ray and I will give our thoughts. We'll preview Thursday night football. The week begins with Seattle on the road in Dallas. Ray is scrambling, and he might be playing Geno Smith. I'm scrambling, and I might be playing Rico Dowdle. We'll talk about the uh, Thursday night affair with Ryan Clifford, get you set from a DFS perspective. Run through the rest of the injuries for Week 13. Wide receiver getting banged up into the weekend. And we will get an English Premier League update with our man Ani Sridhar. Uh, it's almost December, and if you know anything about the English Premier League or anything about the soccer world at large, December is a crazy busy part of the schedule with games taking place like every three or four days, whether it's league play, cup play, European play, whatever it is, it makes things uh, pretty hectic for the fantasy players. So we'll talk it over with Ani as we get set for a new weekend on Saturday. As always, Ray Flowers is our man who has the deals. Ray, what deals do we got today over at Fantasy? We got lots of deals. Uh, and there's always something I don't even know about. So you can always contact customer support <laughs> at Fantasy Guru at Gmail. Oh, let me even verify that before I start spouting out the email. Uh, but yeah, we, we always, uh, we've got deals we know of. And that is FSD20. FSD20, that gets you 20% off any of the products at FantasyGuru.com, whether it's football or upcoming baseball or hockey or basketball or soccer that we'll talk about later today. So it's FSD20. The email is support at fantasyguru.com. Support at fantasyguru.com. So you can always send a note there. Ted Schuster usually handles those. Uh, and we also have the all-in NFL package for the rest of the season. And it's not just the regular season. It's through the entirety of the playoffs. So right now you can get in all of our seasonal coverage, you know, the weekly rankings, all the articles, the Discord, 
all the DFS. So you can play weekly that that scenario, that setup through the Super Bowl. Use the promo code FSD20, uh, and you can give it a shot there. And we'd welcome you with open arms if you're looking to have some fun the rest of the way in football. Yeah, if you're looking for a kind of live interaction with Ray and others, you know, that opens up the Discord. So uh, take advantage of that. And, of course, interaction is something we do here on FSD. So if you want to hit us with some questions going into Week 13, by all means, jump on board. Let us know what uh, your issues are. Going into a uh, pretty critical week, I think, for fantasy players. It's uh, kind of everybody's trying to win. One more loss for a lot of people and you're finished. Uh, so a W is critical going into this week 13. We will uh, get to those questions in a bit. But, Ray, let's start with the Rodgers news. Um, for those who missed it, the 21-day window is now open. Um, if he were to take the full 21 days before being activated, we might see Aaron Rodgers in week 16. Uh, Ray, I guess it is another example, perhaps, of... Uh, the marvels of medicine. I, I, I'm struggling with the idea that you could tear an Achilles and even think to be back, you know, like three months later. But it sounds like this is a possibility. I, I would say this off the top, Ray. I, I can't fathom the Jets allowing Aaron Rodgers to play if they're out of it. I mean, what, what are they? Four and seven right now. Uh, they've got Atlanta this week. It's a home game. They could win that. I mean, they've got a good defense, so they could win that game. Uh, then they host Houston. Yeah, Houston's a better team, but it's a home game for the Jets. Defense. They, they could be six and seven, or they could be five and eight. But, Ray, it's like, then they go to Miami. I, I wouldn't expect to win there. If you go one and two, let's say you're sitting at five and eight. Five, or what, that'd be five and nine. Check that. Yeah, five and nine. Is Aaron Rodgers playing? Like, I know he'll want to play, but the Jets can't let him play, can they, in that scenario? This whole thing, and, and this, again, Jeff and I talked about this yesterday, too. Here is my read of the situation. I agree with you. Medically speaking, I don't know how this is possible. People tear their Achilles, and they can't walk up the stairs three months later. So I, I don't know, but let's move aside with that. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play this year. What is going to happen is they're going to lose the football games like you're talking about. They're going to have there's no reason to get him back out there. And the team is going to say, we stopped the heroic return of Aaron Rodgers. He really wanted to play. He busted his butt to be there for his team and his teammates. But we're not going to let him play. He's ready, but we're not going to let him play. We're going to save him for next year. That's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And you know, this whole thing, this whole scenario all season long, I think if if anyone disagrees with this, I don't know what world they're living in. Aaron Rodgers is the most glory-seeking human being on the planet. Okay, he's showing up to games so they have the camera on him in the in the luxury box. All this, he doesn't care about anyone but himself. So he's done all of this. He's engineered all of this so he's in the news every week. We could have been talking about him for the last month, but we just chose not to because why? You know. But everyone else is talking about him all the time. He's in the media capital of the world. He's not playing this year. And if if he does play this year. The Jets are being stupid because there's no reason to play him this year. They gain nothing from it. They should save him for next year if that's really their plan. They're all in. I mean, I said I said this yesterday on the Elite Sports Show. They have two wide receivers this year, two, who have caught 10 passes. Wow. And one of those two guys, they coached decision benched last week in Alan Lazard. So they're a disaster. They've gone all in with Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're reaping the rewards of making that decision. I'd say the odds are about three to one. He doesn't play, you know, 75%. You're maybe closer to 90, but I, I, I think for, for most people out there, don't expect him to play. I, I know he's getting picked up though by people, Ray, you know, it's happening. They, they think they're outsmarting the system and all oh, come fantasy playoff time. I'm going to roll with Aaron Rodgers. You know, 
at Cleveland is week 17. All right, week, yeah, week 17. Anybody excited about that? <laughs> like, even if you're rolling with Aaron Rodgers uh, the week before versus Washington, okay, that could be something. But I think the problem, Ray, is sometimes um, we all know the name and we know he's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he, he gets a lot of attention. Fantasy-wise, people need to recall, he was being drafted as a QB2 even before the injury this season. So to get excited and pumped about a QB2 returning, who's also... <laughs> The mobility, I can't imagine it's even 80% of normal. He's not a, I mean, he's a mobile guy. He can work his way around the pocket, but that's going to be shot. And, and Ray, I just can't get excited about it. Like, cool, Aaron Rodgers is back. Who cares? I, a Garrett Wilson owner, should they get fired up about Aaron Rodgers, a Brees Hall owner? I, I don't, it makes a difference. But to me, those two guys, Hall and Wilson, it helps. Mm -hmm. If you were to have a hand like Rogers, a steady hand under center. But to me, Ray, those guys are starting every week anyway. Right. You know, I, I, I still, I, I don't love it if I own Garrett Wilson starting him every week, but he's the only show in town. He should be good for seven or eight targets a week. They may be five yards a target, but you almost have to start that. Uh, Brees Hall, he's the show. It's better if Rodgers is under center, but to think there's some kind of gain with these guys, they're starters regardless. I, maybe some people are bailing each week. You get a lot of questions about Wilson and Hall. Like, I know the offense sucks right. and that they can't score, but those guys have to play just because of the, the fact that they're the, the only guy that can really handle the football, the only two dudes in this offense that handle the football. Yeah, I think if Aaron Rodgers returns, it's not about Aaron Rodgers. It's about, like you're saying, what that can do upward-wise upward for guys like Hall and Wilson. It would have to be a benefit. It would have to be. Uh, is it seismic? No. I agree with you. It's hard to see that. Uh, I do get questions about Wilson and Hall every week. And that's because some people have great teams, right? They've made trades or waiver wire moves. And that's some other people just say, look, this offense is terrible. We can talk about all these teams in the NFL who spread the ball around. Eight guys are catching passes. Nine guys are catching passes each week. With the Jets, that pyramid is as narrow as it gets. It's two dudes, <laughs> right? It's two guys. Even the Raiders have three, Myers, Adams, and J Jacobs. It's two guys with the Jets. Um, I don't know how I, – I agree with you. In any league I'm in, if I had Wilson or Hall, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. I know a lot of leagues that people are in smaller setups. They have great teams. But, yeah, I think this is a boost for those guys if they return. Otherwise, who cares? Uh, and, and you know, just to say it, I agree with you, too. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not disputing what he brings to the, the football field. But what is he going to return to work with? This is a guy that's going to have missed months of action. He's not going to be 100% physically. The team is a mess offensively. And I know a lot of that has to do with quarterback play. But this is also an offense that's a mess. Like, we've talked about this. The Steelers don't really have a quarterback. The Falcons don't really have a quarterback. We can go down the list of teams that don't have quarterbacks. And they still move the football the mm -hmm. jets suck and who's their oc rogers best friend who's terrible at his job i just i don't see this working out well for aaron Rodgers, even if he does somehow return what would be a bigger miracle rogers returning in like three and a half months from an achilles or garrett wilson somehow getting to a thousand yards receiving like wilson has a shot rate considering what he's working yeah. with this year he's at uh a sh he's at 695 and they have what do we got six games left he can get there he can get to a thousand yards, and even Brees Hall, he is going to surpass a thousand total yards. Mm -hmm. And I think, quite simply, and I'd have to look at this: any single player 
in the NFL that is on pace or does surpass a thousand total yards, they should start 85% of the time, 90% of the time. And, and that I, I've never really thought of it that way, Ray. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like if you have guys who are on pace or again, and they, and again, touchdowns aren't there for Wilson and Hall. And that's kind of a disappointment, but I would say quite simply, Ray, if you're, if you're racking up a thousand yards, running back, tight end receiver, you should be starting every week. I, and, and for me, it's pretty simple with Wilson and Hall. I, I don't expect big efforts, but I expect, you know, decent numbers, yardage catches. Those are things that Wilson and Hall can still do in this dreadful offense that the Jets have. Yeah, and I think that this one is interesting too because it, I, I see the the panoply of teams that people put together. Some people are, do I start Michael Gallup? Is he the guy this week to get me eight points? Other people are benching Garrett Wilson every week, right? I, so I see all the mm-hmm. all the, the spectrum. Uh, I agree with you. I think that in general, I, I agree with your statements. Now, again, this is different because a lot of people play in two wide receiver leagues instead of three. Some people are in 10-team leagues. A lot of the leagues were in a 14-team. So, you know, some leagues have IR spots, which you talked about yesterday. And people are, you know, they've got a couple of IR spots. And so they've got guys there. And then they've added more players off the waiver wire. So there's no one available on the waiver. So there's a whole range of situations. But, yeah, there are a lot of teams, and I mean a lot. Let me re- emphasize that, a lot. Of people that ask me questions every single day that it's like, boy, I wish I had that team in my league. Like that's, you know, it's – there are a lot of people that I think hear that – you know, a thousand yard thing. And they're like, eh, mm-hmm. to me, a thousand yards means you're playing every week. Yeah, and, and, and I get it with the extra game. A thousand yards isn't what it used to be. And what is that, Ray? You've probably done the numbers at 60 yards a game. Just, I like think that. it's just under. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. And, and that, when you put it that way, <laughs> like, oh, 57 yards a game. It's like, it's a thousand yards, all that impressive. It, yeah. I mean, a thousand yards is just a nice fat round number. Uh, surely maybe 1200 yards should be the, the new going rate. Uh, but a thousand's a thousand, and I, I don't even know. Again, we don't have to look it up. How many guys hit a thousand yards every season? Um, you know, probably 25, 30 dudes, I would think, maybe a little more when you combine the the yardage, you know, rushing and receiving. So, right. you know, something to think about. I, I, I think those two guys, uh, it hasn't been a hit this year, it has not, but considering the circumstances, I think both are uh, performing capably and should be in starting lineups. And we'll see with Rodgers, like I said, the 21 day window, it's not going to play this week. Um, very doubtful against the Houston game. And then maybe at Miami. Like if if the Jets were, you know, if the Jets won these next two home games and got to six and seven, that'd be a huge game for, for the Jets going on the road to Miami. But again, is is it something you're going to jump on? Like that's a thing, right? If you're holding Aaron Rodgers, is anybody starting him in his first game back? Like you have zero. It's, it, and maybe maybe the maybe the Jake Browning owners raising their hand right, right. now. Saying, right. Yeah, I'm going Aaron Rodgers, you guy. So if you're in that issue, sure. But for people who are thinking W, thinking titles, you don't want to be turning to Aaron Rodgers at any point down the stretch here. Yeah, and you never know. Because again, we talked about this yesterday too on the show. We had a discussion about two quarterback leagues, and you know, people can find that on demand or you know, whatever if they want to hear the old old stuff, but um, there are a lot of people. I mean, I'm looking at the wave wire right now. We were talking about, you know, I added Geno Smith. It's Geno Smith, Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett. Like, it's bad. It's just bad. And so, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers for some. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't know how you're playing in championship situations if you don't have a better quarterback than that. But I guess some teams might be in that scenario this year. Got some other QB situations. Uh, Ray, it sounds like New England's going with Bailey Zappi. Um, kind of like the Rodgers thing. Who cares? 
I mean, if you're if you're, if you're rolling a Ramondre Stevenson, you're probably still rolling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth noting Demario Douglas, who some people have been playing in in those deeper leagues. He's he's dealing with concussion. Um, I'm not expecting it. Zappy, Mac Jones, who cares? You know, tomato, tomato. The same yeah. thing is is going to be under center here for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point you might as well try Zappy, right? Because Mac Jones is not. It's I mean, done for him in, in New England. Yeah, right? I think yeah, it is too. Whether Belichick is back or not, I mean, and just to think, there was all the debate, especially here in the Bay Area. Trey Lance or Mac Jones was the debate. That, that was a bad debate. <laughs> that was not the right debate to be having. Either way, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not the right debate to be having. But um, yeah, Mac Jones, it's just not happening. And, and Mac Jones is—I don't know if he's already past this point, but he's—he's he's on the Dobbs. Ryan Fitzpatrick scale right now. Like, I don't know how many organizations look at the film from Mac Jones. They look at the attitude from Mac Jones. Apparently the locker room doesn't like Mac Jones. Look at Mac Jones right now and think, let's get that guy on the cheap and make him our franchise quarterback. I don't know if there's an organization out there that feels that way anymore. Yeah. I was just thinking, I got to look this up. Was uh, I'm going to, you know, you say, oh, that was a, uh, yeah, it was. So you were saying, oh, the Mac Jones versus Trey, Trey Lance, who cares how, who, <laughs> which way you would have gone. He would have screwed up both ways. Uh, and maybe not. I, I guess San Francisco, you know, they can take any quarterback and turn him into greatness. But, Ray, it reminds me, and I wanted to look this up because I was just thinking this off the top of my head, but back in 1999, ancient history for many out there, but uh, less than 25 years ago, there, there was another uh, this guy or that guy, and it involved Cincinnati and Cleveland uh, who were drafting at the top, and it was Tim Couch or Akili Smith. <laughs> that was another one that didn't really end up mattering when it was all said and done. I, I, I guess Couch was a little better, maybe. And it's know. that we've talked about this so frequently, and everyone does. But how are these talent ev- evaluators so bad? Like all of these people getting paid millions of dollars, running billion-dollar organizations, and they just make these horrible. And it's not you make a horrible choice. Sometimes you make a horrible choice. But when you're going with two guys and you can't decide, and they're both terrible, why? Where's option three? Like, I just don't get how some of these evaluators are so bad. I I, I think quarterbacks, and this is every year, we'll see it again this year. It's, you know, they they make a team good for, you know, just cutting to the chase. You got a good quarterback. And so, so many of these guys, if you're, you know, top five within your class, you get promoted to being a top 10 pick because there are so many desperate teams for QBs. So even an average guy all of a sudden is a top 10 pick where he may be the 35th best player right. in the draft. So, yeah, you're going to have a lot of swings and misses. Because, guys, whether it's fair or not, we hear top 10, we expect you to be a star. You know, you're, you're expected to be a star. So all these quarterbacks who get overdrafted, and they have to be overdrafted because of how we build teams, uh, becomes a real issue. So New England's going to go with Zappy, who was not overdrafted. Uh, but he will be out there this week. Uh, let's see. Joe Flacco was named the backup to Dorian Thompson Robinson. And it's not looking good for DTR. He's got a concussion. So, Ray, we're probably looking at Joe Flacco this Sunday. It's starting to look that way. And for those of you desperate in those two QB leagues, I mean, be on the lookout. I, I said it earlier this week, and it was kind of in jest, but I'll repeat it. Like, I legitimately think that if Amari Cooper's healthy, he's done with the rib issue, he's getting 10 targets. Like, Joe Flacco is not Joe Flacco is not throwing 18 passes to David Bell. Like, Joe Flacco is <laughs> going to go out there and throw it to Amari Cooper. So, I think, you know, this is a best-case scenario for Amari Cooper. If Flacco's under center, I don't know if this is the best case for their offense, but I think it's the best case scenario for Amari Cooper. Yeah, in a two QB league, if Flacco gets the call, they're on the road at LA taking on the Rams. He's probably a top 24 QB, isn't he? 
Is the rest well, of the position that bad that people would be turning to Joe Flacco? Well, or Kyle, <laughs> remember, we got six teams on by. So if you're saying he's top 24, there's only three guys. Yeah, yeah there's only 26 of them playing. Yeah, so that's what that's. And, and that, this goes back to the conversation again that we had yesterday about, you know, super flex and two QB leagues. Like, this is a disaster. Like, if you legitimately have to play Joe Flacco, and there likely are people listening that we're going to have to if he's the starter. <laughs> He's off the couch, off the street, hasn't thrown a pass. That's where we're at in 2023. Here's the debate this week, Ray. As you know, in a two QB league, 12 teams, 24. So that leaves two quarterbacks who won't play. Who are the two worst quarterbacks? Who are who are QBs 25? Zappy's probably in the top 24, I bet. Maybe not. I, I guess Tim Boyle. Yeah. Tim Boyle's outside the top 24. Who else? Are, what do the rankings say over at Fantasy yeah. Who are the two 25 and 26 quarterbacks? Your man, Bailey Zappi. Okay. And Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. With, <laughs> num- with next up in line right now, number one draft pick, Bryce Young. Mm. To, to oh, our discussion Mike. that we just Isn't had. Isn't that wild that you would start, or at least you, you could argue Bryce Young, but Joe Flacco is ahead of Bryce Young. Well, I mean... <laughs> And Bryce Young, I mean, he's thrown, what, three touchdown passes in five games. I don't think he's, he's hit 200 yards in four games, has he? has been he? Under, under 195 yards in four games. Like, there's there's no, there's nothing. Their offense is terrible, and he, you know, we talked about this. He's in, he's right now in the game manager mode for an offense that sucks. That doesn't work. Yeah. So, yeah, it's there's just nothing there. I think that it's legitimate to consider starting Joey Flacco over the number one draft pick in the NFL. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one other QB situation, Ray mentioned the six teams on by. One of them is Minnesota, so this is not actionable right now. Uh, but yes, indeed, the Vikings are at least publicly thinking about a QB change. Doesn't make any sense to Ray and I. We talked about this Tuesday coming off the uh, four-pick night by Josh Dobbs, but they're at least considering other options as they go into the bye week. Uh, we shall see what the Vikings dream up. Maybe Nick Mullins is uh, in our lives uh, come week 14 or so. Uh, So that is where we stand with quarterbacks. We'll get you some more news and notes in just a bit, but let's uh, dig into the beginning of week 13. Coming up later tonight in Big D, Dallas is uh, hosting Seattle. The Cowboys are red hot. Big favorite tonight against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in desperation mode. Um, Not to say it's official, but a loss tonight, probably for all intents and purposes, kind of ends the playoff run for the Seahawks. Crazy things can happen. I guess teams can get in with nine wins, but Seattle would have to uh, tear it up down the stretch. So a big game for them. It's a big night for DFS players. We check in with our head honcho who covers things, all uh, showdowns and DFS setups. Uh, Ryan Clifford back with us on a Thursday to take a look at the Hawks and the Cowboys. Ryan, it is uh, good to see you uh, again. And I guess we'll start at the top. Uh, Doesn't sound like Kenneth Walker is playing. He's probably out. Uh, So what's the outlook for Zach Charbonnet? I'm sure he's going to be a popular consideration tonight. What do you think of him in the DFS realm for uh for this evening hey guys thanks for having me again uh yeah charbonnet you know we saw last week he struggled uh to get yards against 49ers defense uh this defense is just as good if not better against the run so i think it's going to be a long night for uh, seattle's offense in general but uh especially charbonnet i think it is a terrible matchup for him Right. What about on the other side? Let's talk about the other running back, Tony Pollard. You know, he's been effective at times this year, trending up a little bit of late. He's the third most expensive guy, so he's he's very expensive on the slate tonight over at DraftKings. Are we thinking about getting the ninety eight hundred dollar Tony Pollard involved in our lineup this evening? Uh, I'm a little hesitant on Pollard. Um, 
Seattle's really bad against the run, so this is a great matchup for Dallas. But we have seen Rico Dowdle kind of creeping up his uh, snap share and involvement in general in the offense uh, on a short week. Um, I'm, I'm a little hesitant on Pollard, just, you know, workload concerns, I guess. It's Dak Prescott to the moon, uh, according to the world, uh, Ryan. And, you know, look at the numbers of late. He's throwing two and a half, three touchdowns, three and a half touchdowns every week. Uh, he's been terrific. Been terrific at home. Where are we at with Dak Prescott? He's the number two guy on the slate tonight at $11,000. Is he a must get in there because everyone else is going to be using him regardless of the price point and because he's obviously also the better option at quarterback this evening? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's been on a heater here, especially as far as showdown contests go. He's been in the optimal lineup in eight of his last nine games. Um, he's uh, in there six straight now. Uh, he's been the captain in two of those. He's you know, spreading the ball around. I think they've got eight different pass catchers that have caught touchdown passes in the last four games. Mm. So uh, Prescott, for me, is, you know, go ahead and lock him into one of the spots in your lineup, and I do think he's a top-end captain option as well. I'm guessing people will follow that up with, oh, so I have to stack C.D. Lamb, right? I, I mean, I'm guessing that that's going to be an uber-popular play this evening, um, I, and I know you're entering hundreds of lineups and stuff, so it's a little different depending on how you're playing, but that's going to be everywhere tonight, right? The lamb Prescott combo. Does it make sense if you're trying to win one of these big tournaments for the big tournaments? Uh, it does make sense because that, what that's going to do is it's going to force you to put in one of those punts, you know, those less than 5% owned, uh, cheap options that you know you get one of those to go off in your lineup and all of a sudden you know you, you're climbing the leaderboard really fast because nobody else has that guy mm -hmm. um, the problem for me with lamb is these offenses both of them are so concentrated to just a few players that when you do put lamb in there you've got to kind of stray from uh more of the guaranteed points and you're kind of at that point just hoping you know throwing a dart and hoping that your guy kind of goes off. So um, I do think for the big GPPs playing lamb, you get the upside in there. And then also it kind of forces you to take one of those punts that, you know, if lamb and Prescott both go off, the optimal lineup's going to have one of those punts. So you, you can't really avoid it. Uh, Ryan, what about the receiving group with uh, Seattle? Uh, you know, I don't think anyone looks at this game and doesn't think the Cowboys are going to produce offensively. That could be a good game script for the passing attack, even though it's a difficult matchup for Seattle. You've got DK Metcalf at 9,600, Tyler Lockett at 7,200. They're the two big guys. And then Jackson Smith and Jig was much cheaper at 5,200. Uh, what's your interest level in playing any or multiple guys in the receiving core for Seattle? I really don't have much interest in, in the two main guys. Just, you know, with salary, I want to spend that salary on the Cowboys uh, guys. Even looking at matchups, the Cowboys on the, the outside corners that they've got are ridiculous. Um, Smith and Jigba is going to play most of his time in the slot. It's not a great matchup for him. I think it's like Jordan Lewis is in the slot for the Cowboys. Um, but I do think it's a better matchup than, than what Lockett and Metcalf have. So, uh, for me, if I'm going to Seattle pass catchers, I'm going to look at Smith and Jigba, um, but I'm probably not likely to have any of them in my lineup. 
you know, Ryan, you mentioned this Dallas secondary. This would be a night where uh, we wish we had IDP in uh, DFS because Duran Bland would be like, <laughs> he'd carry us. You know, the guy's got five pick sixes this year. How about the Dallas defense? Uh, because they're scoring at this crazy rate. Uh, if Seattle's going to be throwing, that's going to allow opportunities for more picks, maybe another pick six. The idea of the Dallas defense, is it is it really in play for tonight? Yeah, I think it's a flex option. They're they're certainly in play. Um, I was looking at the simulations of the games, and they don't come out as an optimal captain. And it, it makes sense. You really want the highest scoring player on the slate to be that captain. And, you know, it, as good as they are, are is the Dallas defense going to outscore Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, you know, maybe Tony Pollard? I don't think so. So, they're not going to make it into my captain pool, but I, I certainly think they're a good flex play. Ryan uh, reveals his captain pool over in the article at fantasyguru.com. A lot of other insight. Uh, some of those punt plays that he talked about being important tonight, he'll give you a rundown. So make sure to check out that article that will be posted this afternoon. Of course, Discord open later today as you start to fill in those showdown lineups. Uh, kickoff just after 8 o'clock Eastern, so you got a lot of time to get set. Um, Dallas rolling here. I mean, they're favored by almost nine points, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, take this for a grain of salt after my Vikings Bears prediction. On Monday <laughs> yeah, you had a play. shootout, right? Isn't that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've got the the Cowboys. Uh, I'm I'm way over, and it's not that I'm over on the Seahawks. I'm about nine points higher than the sports books are on the Cowboys. So oh, yeah, wow. I, I think they roll tonight. Cowboys roll. There you go. He'll probably hit this one out of the park. If if, if Josh Jobs hadn't thrown four picks and if Justin Fields hadn't <laughs> lost two fumbles, maybe things would have been different in, in terms of that scoreboard. But uh, Ryan, good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. And uh, my guess is next Monday uh, we'll do it again. I think that's Cincinnati and Jacksonville. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the night. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Our man, Ryan Clifford, helping us out with that DFS showdown slate again. Column will be up as uh, we get set for the evening. Uh, it's, it's a tough spot for Seattle, Ray. I, I mean, they've got their pieces. I mean, they don't have Walker, but Charbonnet's a, a pretty decent backup. Ryan doesn't like Charbonnet for the DFS player. How about Charbonnet for the season long player tonight is, you know, sometimes you say, well, that's your best option for a lot of people. He's going to be their best option, or at least one of their top RB ones or twos. Uh, what's your outlook for him tonight against the Cowboys? Yeah, we've got Charbonnet right now listed. And remember there's injuries and there's bye weeks here. It is a difficult matchup, but we have him listed as RB24 at fantasyguru.com. And his name has come up a lot because obviously he's someone that people's added off the waiver wire or they've been holding behind Walker with this injury. Uh, and they now have an opportunity to play him. Uh, I think that that's a fair spot. And, and Ryan said this too, you know, the matchup is a difficult one. You even hit on this last week uh, before the, they played the Niners talking about what, what we're what we're looking at with Seattle. But the, the fact is that the running back, Charbonnet, he had 18 touches last game. And even if the game goes awry tonight, it's hard to see him not getting 12 to 14 just because with the opportunity for him to get more. And don't forget, Charbonnet has been, even when Walker's been on the field, he's been the third down back. So this is not a scenario where they got to go DJ Dallas on third downs and everything like that. So I think that we can get four or five cheap catches from Charbonnet. So if you're in a PPR setup, that's nice. I think he's a bottom level running back to flex option this week. I wouldn't shy away from him because of the matchup, but I also wouldn't force him into my lineup this week. Um, in terms of other questions, we got a lot coming in here in the last half hour or so. So I do want to hit on a few of these um, earlier in the hour, Michael 
was asking about the Broncos backfield. And right now, Ray, he's kind of followed your advice with handcuffing. You know, he's got, you know, the Denver handcuffs. And he's wondering, do I stick with those handcuffs or do I make a move to Dearness Johnson, who if Travis Etienne went down, Dearness Johnson would be the guy. To me, Ray, I'd rather just stay with what I've got in that Denver backfield because having those handcuffs is critically important to you, to Michael, because that that then stops the race if Javante Williams, you already have your automatic fill-in. Whereas if you lose Williams, but Etienne's still playing, Dearness Johnson is a useless guy to you. So it's almost like your insurance is better to keep it with the Broncos than to take this random shot on a guy like Johnson. Yeah, and this is a great question, and it comes up constantly, certainly as we get toward the playoffs. We, as a general rule, say as we approach the double-digit weeks, even if you're not a handcuffed person, handcuff your running backs. we got a situation here where Michael's got that taken care of. Um, I think that, and you've talked about P. Ryan earlier this week, I think even. I'm keeping P. Ryan as well. I think mm-hmm. that the Denver offense is working. We have seen what the plan is, and the plan is for Russell Wilson to throw things underneath, Russell Wilson to avoid mistakes, Russell Wilson to dump the ball off to the running backs. That doesn't change if P. Ryan takes over. In fact, P. Ryan's catching all these passes anyway, even with Javante Williams playing such a large snap share. So I keep that because whether Johnson outscores P. Ryan doesn't matter. Like one guy's getting 10 points and one guy's getting four. It doesn't matter. It matters what happens when there's an opportunity for those guys to ascend. And the only way P. Ryan or Johnson ascends is if the guy in front of him goes down so I'm going to keep P. Ryan behind Javante Williams. Sal was uh, wondering about a QB streamer for this week. Uh, do not take a zero, not at QB. <laughs> Even Kenny Pickett is yeah. better than a zero. Yeah, I, I, Carr, Mayfield, Stafford, Pickett. Stafford against Cleveland, I'm not going to touch that. Pickett, there's just no ceiling there. I'm not. A, the Carr, Mayfield thing is pretty interesting. I, I would lean Derek Carr, and I realize he's going to be without a couple of weapons, but Detroit is more than apt to give up yardage. Carr is very accomplished. He can throw for 300 yards. He still has Kamara. They've made pretty good use of Taysom Hill. I'll admit it. You know, they're, they're using Taysom Hill, and he's been effective. So to me, Ray Mayfield's not bad in this position, but I think Carr, I should note the game total there is a 46 for Lions Saints. It's a 37 for Buccaneers, Panthers, um, Garrett yeah. Carr is my call there. Yeah, it's for me, it's Stafford or Carr. Uh, it sounds like we got a full practice yesterday from Cooper Cup. So in theory, he's okay, the ankle. I think that's in theory. I don't think he's 100%. Uh, the matchup against Cleveland is tough. We don't know about Miles Garrett yet. It sounds like he's going to play through his injury. That's significant. So you know, unfortunately, we have to make a decision before we know the answer to that. Carr doesn't have his weapons. Uh, A.T. Perry is likely to be the number one wide receiver this week. Um, so... I, against my better judgment, I'm going to say Stafford, mm. but Carr would be my fallback. So if you'd rather go with Carr, if that was what you were thinking, Sal, that's Kyle's choice. I would take Carr as my number two behind Stafford. Well, staying with the Rams and Saints, uh, Hal, 14-team league, would you drop the Saints defense to go with the Rams defense? And yes, Ray, I would. I mean, it's simple. It's it's facing DTR, Joe Flacco. You know, that's that's what I care about. You mentioned Amari Cooper. He's beat up. It, it's tough to say, yeah, t- take a defense against Jared Goff versus saying take a defense against Joe Flacco. I mean, just just give me the Rams defense here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, and, and just to say it, Kyle's Mr. Roll the defense anyway. But one of the keys, Kyle, right, is who the hell's the quarterback on the other side? That's always been one of the things you've kind of looked at. And when you talk about facing a guy off the couch, or a guy who's really not ready to be starting games. That's the options right now under center. Kyle also talked about Amari Cooper for the, the Browns. I would go with the Rams as well. And then uh, Jason in the chat room running about a possible trade 
Uh, so still able to trade here late in the season. Flipping Puka Nakua and Zach Charbonnet, that's who he has, to get Bijan Robinson. If I'm in a PPR, Ray, I'm doing it. Non-PPR, I might still do it. Charbonnet, to me, um, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be back next week. That's what I think. Um, even if he's not back, I don't think Charbonnet is any, you know, he's a 15 to 20 something running back or maybe closer to 20. Uh, Nakua, I think for some people, I'm still rolling him in three receiver leagues. I think you have to. Um, I, I think his, you know, he should be good for four to five catches, not the two to three that we're seeing right now. But Ray Bijan Robinson, maybe, oh, maybe. I mean, the last two weeks, he's got almost 40 carries, he's well over 40 touches. That's a guy that you just throw in. He's a starter. The rest of the season, he's starting. Whereas Charbonnet and Nakua, you know, you may him and Haw, depending on the circumstances. So I, I would make the move. It's kind of a power move heading into the postseason. But I think Bijan Robinson is the difference maker here versus those other two guys. Yeah, it's really tough because we don't know the size of the league, PPR, all that kind of stuff. But I think Kyle framed it well. Uh, you know, Puka Nakua, the last four games, is averaging four catches for 43 yards. And if you look at his last six games, he's been under 45 yards four times. He is not the guy that people remember. The numbers are great because of the strong start, but he's just a guy for the majority of people out there. Like Kyle said, in my 14-team league, is he my wide receiver three? Sure. But again, we're, we're starting 42 wide receivers in a flex. If you're in a 10-team league starting two wide receivers, he's not. He's just not an option. So I think I do this deal too. I think that Bijan Robinson, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, as Kyle pointed out, Bijan Robinson is finally doing what everyone expected him to do this season. It's tough trust in Arthur Smith, but yeah. I would make this deal and get Bijan Robinson as well. Uh, appreciate the questions in there. We'll uh, maybe get to some more if you want to send them our way. Uh, quick update on some injuries. And we've touched on a few of these, like with the Saints, Chris Olave um, has a chance, I guess. He was limited on Wednesday. He is still in protocol. That doesn't mean he's full-blown practice and ready to go. Uh, they'll see how he reacts there. Uh, should note that Noah Brown has returned to practice. and. Uh, that'll be a critical decision for a lot of people, Ray. You know, coming off, uh, was it two missed weeks? Mm -hmm. You know, do you immediately stick him back in your lineup? You know, he doesn't have the track record of like a, a Jamar Chase or a Mike Evans. You know, these guys that do it as soon as they get back on the field. Uh, they also have Tank Dell. Now, Tank Dell, DMP on Wednesday. So that entire Houston passing game, they're going to pass. And they're probably going to get 300 yards. But do you trust Dell and Brown? We're... I don't know if we're there yet, which sounds kind of weird, Ray. I, I guess, you know, once a guy gets a reputation or we think, oh, he's a 12th round pick, you know, maybe it takes a while too long to win us over and say, start the guy. Uh, Brown is one of those guys. I, I I don't know which way I lean in terms of immediately sticking him back in my lineup, which two weeks ago, he was the hottest receiver in football and you had to start the guy. Yeah. And we've talked about this. Jeff Mann has really hit on it. Like what's going, what's in the water that the wide receivers for the Texans are drinking. Because every week, one of these guys is out. Collins, Dell, Brown, Woods is every week. Uh, I think that a lot of people right now, obviously, are full 100% green. Let's start Tank Dell. We need to see what happens with Tank Dell today. Because at this point in time, I'm not, I don't know for certain he's going to play this week. And that outlook with Dell, who's getting 10 targets a week, drastically impacts what we should be expecting from Brown. So I need to reserve judgment until we get a, a Thursday report. Maybe we can touch on on the show tomorrow. Yeah. Um, other guys to follow on Thursday. Keenan Allen didn't practice on Wednesday. Jaden Reed of the Packers. Demario Douglas, who we mentioned. Uh, man, the Packers backfield. Dylan and Jones, both those guys missing practice. Who the hell knows what's going on there? Uh, Trey McBride, growing injury. Uh, popping up on the injured list. Did not practice. 
Uh, doesn't look like Goddard's going to play this week with that broken arm. Shahid, Kareem Hunt, all those guys you want to follow. And then Miami is another spot. And, and Ray, we're probably at a point with Miami and in, in the season where you don't know, like, you know, Tyreek Hill, it feels like he's always got something. And, you know, there's veteran days off. And you look at these running backs and they've either got a history of injuries or they're coming off injuries. But Raheem Mostert didn't practice mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Tyreek Hill didn't practice. And Devon Achan was limited. So just worth following as we go into the weekend, because that should be a slam dunk spot going up against Washington on Sunday. Yeah. And so, again, another one of these scenarios, we got to get some more information on it. I would I think it's very possible all three guys are active. So it's not panic time by any yeah. means here on early Thursday morning. But uh, those are guys we've talked about uh, who have had injury issues and uh, they need to figure that out for the matchup this week. I've said this before, and I'll say it again with Tyreek Hill. Um if, if there's like stuff actually going on, what do they got? Ankle, I think is what they have him listed. There's stuff actually going on with this guy. He needs to just relax it when he scores a touchdown. Because I've said this before, Ray, when he scores a touchdown, he runs more quickly back to the sideline than he even does on the field. It's like that. that's when his party really gets going. That's when he turns on the afterburners. It's like, dude, we, calm it down. Like, he, uh, you know, guys do a dance, they drop a football. That's not Tyree Kill. I mean, he races up the sideline 50 yeah. yards. Like, dude, slow it yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Barry Sanders on the field with all the jukes and everything like that. But yeah, when he's uh, when he's celebrating, he's uh, his celebration, like you said, faster than ninety eight percent of the guys in the league running a sprint with their underwear on. So it's pretty interesting. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, don't you think, Ray? And I'm kind of surprised by yeah. that. I think that he's close. The moral clause might get him if yeah, something off the field gonna, doesn't get we him. wouldn't have a hall of fame in the nfl right no. if there was a moral clause yeah <laughs> and tyree kill wouldn't be making millions of dollars if there was <laughs> but it, as long as he stays roughly a rough, terrible choice of words as long as he stays out of trouble uh it's looking likely that that's going to happen kyle yeah okay sounds good uh again if you want to send us any questions we'll take them uh we'll take a bit of a break from the american football we do have some baseball coming up on the flip side Uh, to get you some English football. It's a Thursday. We're getting set for another week of the English Premier League, Fantasy Premier League. Ani Sridhar is back with us. Uh, Last week, we were unable to visit with Ani. We had Thanksgiving. We gave him it off. Uh, So, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Looks like you're already, uh, man, I love that. The Guinness fleece. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's a way to start a Saturday morning. Get ready for a little soccer. Um, It is game week 14. Uh, Lineup lock, by the way, is a little later than usual. Uh, 8.30 on 8.30 Eastern, I should say, on Saturday. Everybody's playing this week. And then, Ani, everybody's playing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Again, this is – I said this earlier, but December is, like, crazy busy. For people who are are, are not used to this or are brand new, uh, it's not just the EPL with all these games, but you've got domestic cups, European cups. Uh, lineups are all over the place over the next month, aren't they? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like December is an incredibly busy month for uh, English football. And uh, it's exciting, though, because we almost have English football like almost every day of the week, which is pretty nice (laughs) in the month of December. It's something to watch, something to sweat out during the day. Well, and then over the holidays, like from Christmas to Boxing Day is a game every day. It's it's really wild. And, you know, speaking of that condensed schedule, uh, Newcastle uh, is playing in in Champions League. Uh, They're a returnee after many, many years away. I was looking at their schedule. I think in the first 19 days of December, they're going to play six games, which is a a very hefty lift, including domestic cup play. And this all leads me to Alexander Isak. Uh, Callum Wilson is out. So Isak's this guy who, when he plays on he scores. I mean, that's just the, 
but we look at the schedule. We look at the fact that he's had health issues. Isak is really attractive right now. What do you think of adding him? Is he a priority add, or do you kind of worry about minutes for him? Yeah, I'm always worried about the rotations and the minutes for a guy like Isak. Like, even if he starts, I don't think he really is going to play more than 70 minutes a game because of the schedule coming up for Newcastle. Um, I think he's a good add, that's for sure. I like their schedule coming up, and Newcastle looked like they're clicking once again after slipping there uh, earlier this year. Um, they've got a good matchup this week, and then they get Tottenham again in a couple weeks, and that's another good matchup because Ange is definitely not going to sit back, so there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him, but – I don't think he's a priority ad, but if you need a striker, he's not a bad option. I'd prefer to have Ollie Watkins still on my team than have Isak. Okay, uh, stay with Newcastle. And, and this, I think, is is maybe a battle and a tug of war going on for a lot of people. I know for my side it is. I, I have uh, been with Anthony Gordon now of Newcastle for three or four weeks. He runs about 5'9". Cole Palmer of Chelsea about five, three continues to rack up points. I feel like it's, it's one or the other Ani. Um, I've been with Gordon. Not that I dislike Palmer. I mean, it's hard to dislike a guy on, on penalty and spot kicks. Uh, but where do you land in that battle uh, between Cole Palmer and, and Anthony Gordon? Yeah. All biases aside as a Chelsea <laughs> fan. Um, Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think you can go too wrong with either. Obviously Palmer's the cheaper option. So if you're trying to save salary there, I think Palmer has a slight edge just because he's on penalty kick duties. So if there is a pen for Chelsea in the game, you know Palmer's going to take that and potentially get that goal. Whereas when it comes to Newcastle, there's so many options ahead of Anthony Gordon that are going to take that kick, like an Alexander Isak or a Kyrian Trippier uh, type of guy. So uh, that's why I give Palmer the edge, just because he has the penalty kick equity there for Chelsea. Connie Street are hanging out with us. Uh, his column will be up Saturday morning. It's a pretty busy 10 a.m. start. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on with DFS. So he'll have that column ready for you to go uh, coming up over the weekend. You know, staying with Chelsea, they're up against Brighton this weekend. And uh, I was I was looking at the injury list and it's like nutso with Chelsea and Brighton. Chelsea, I don't even know who they're going to throw onto the back line on. I mean, everybody, we got suspensions. We got guys injured. We got guys not in training. And then you look at Brighton, we think, you know, that's a team that's always on the front foot. They're always aiming. Are we thinking maybe shootout between Chelsea and Brighton this weekend? Oh, yeah, absolutely shootout. I mean, I don't care who Brighton plays. I think the game's going to go over three and a half goals. And that you can get a plus money right now. It's plus 134. And we saw it last week at Nottingham Forest. You know, Brighton, one, they can definitely score in bunches, but they can also concede in bunches. That's the problem with Brighton. They do have a game today against Athens in the Europa League. So it's going to be important to see who they start and who comes on off the bench to give us an idea on who's going to start this weekend. I did get burned by Brighton last weekend because I benched Jao Pedro because I didn't expect him to start. Then he comes on for an injury and scores two goals. So that was an unfortunate sequence of events for me. But um, I think we've gone to this guy earlier from this game, Malo Gusto, a very cheap defensive player. If you need somebody, he's going to play uh, right back where uh, Reese James plays. It's going to be a pretty open game. Could get an assist or two from Malagusto in this matchup. That'll be uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday. Sunday. Chelsea yep. and Brighton. Also 9 a.m. Liverpool-Fulham. Uh, Liverpool's got a lot of things going on. They, they, they played very, very well last week against Man City. Uh, pulled out a draw on the road. It was an impressive effort. Um, unfortunately, they lost Diego Jota within that game. Uh, Mo Salah, everybody's got him. Yep. How about these other Liverpool guys? With Jota out of the way, you know, Darwin Nunez maybe becomes a bit more interesting. Gopko, Luis Diaz. 
do you still say, oh, it's a little too random, there's a little too much shuffling, or, or do you feel one of those guys maybe emerges in Jota's absence? Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the rotation plan here that Klopp's going to probably have. I, I can't honestly spend a transfer on one of these guys knowing they could be on the bench to next game. It's it's too much inconsistency, not enough you know, um, playing time for these guys to really lock in. I think Simikas and Salah are the two guys from Liverpool that I have and then I'm going to retain. And if you don't have Mo Salah on your FBL team, you're probably at the bottom of your uh, league. So if you, <laughs> you haven't if, if you haven't already uh, acquired him, do anything you can to put him on your team because uh, he's a must. <laughs> and one other thing with Liverpool, the Allison owners in, in net, uh, his status is very iffy. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if all if he misses. So make sure you've got a backup plan with your goalkeeper. A couple of other quick things, Ani. I mentioned last week's uh, very entertaining draw uh, between Liverpool and Man City. Man City has Tottenham this week. On Spurs' side, uh, that's another team just falling apart. I mean, there's injuries, like, out of control right now for Tottenham. And about the only guy that's still out there that you feel good about is probably Sung Hyun Min. But we've got a couple of back-to-back blanks. Uh, there's still no James Madison. People keep holding and keep hoping and saying, well, he's out there and he's been so – where do you stand with Sonny right now? Is, is it one of those things where it's like you need Madison to feel good about Son whispers? If if you have Son and you're in a good standing in uh, whichever league you're in, I think you hold because he is going to play the minutes. He is the main guy up front, and Ange is not going to change his you know style of play for the injuries or suspensions, etc., He's still going to play this attacking-minded football, and the opportunities are going to be there. And Man City, they're not great defensively this year. They've been conceding in almost like every game. They just gave up two goals to Leipzig in the midweek. So Mm -hmm. I think Son could definitely bag a goal here. Once again, similar to Cole Palmer, he is on penalties. So say something goes Tottenham's way, someone gets fouled in the box, you're going to get a cheap Son goal probably there. So I think Son is definitely a hold play. Um, I've been rocking with Pedro Porro, too, from Tottenham, actually. I think he's had an assist now in three straight games. Uh, Very solid player uh, that you can roster in defense. Okay, so we got uh, games Saturday and Sunday. That'll be game week 14. Game week 15, just to let everybody know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So a very quick turnaround and uh, lineups and minutes and all that stuff. I'd love to say we know who's going to be out there, but uh, (laughs) we all kind of learn together as uh, we go through this uh, heavy fixture. And, and again, after the, the three games or the three days of games next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, we go to game week 16 on Saturday. So uh, in effect, we've got three game weeks in about nine days. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's it's fun, it's exciting, but it can be maddening when we start to see these lineups. Before we let you go, Ani, you mentioned uh, you like the over, as always, Brighton involved with Chelsea. Any other wagers uh, for this weekend that, that kind of leap out at you? Yeah, I've got a couple that I really like. I like Arsenal minus one and a half, which means they got to win by two uh, against Wolves at home. We just saw them put a dominant performance in the midweek against Lens and Champions League. I think Arsenal rolls at home. They're a different team at the Emirates. And a little sprinkle, let a half unit play here, Kyle. The Brentford team total over two and a half at plus 200 against Luton Town. Um, if you don't have Brian and Buemo, that's some one guy I'm going to be transferring in and I'm going to be transferring out Eze, who uh, yeah. unfortunately picked up an injury for Crystal Palace. He's the one I'm going to be transferring out and getting Embuemo in. Uh, Olise is another guy from Crystal Palace that's worthwhile to add as well. 
DFS players unite Saturday morning. Uh, things will kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern. Ani Sridhar will have the column up uh, Friday night, early Saturday morning. And, of course, he'll be in Discord. Uh, the first set of lineups all come out an hour before kickoff. So you've got that ability in DFS to see what the lineups look like yeah. and make your changes as needed. Should be another fun weekend. Ani, uh, enjoy game week 14 and 15. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Okay, man? You got it, Kyle. Our man Ani Sridhar hanging out with us, talking a little EPL. As we get you set for the weekend, of course, we've been getting you set for the NFL weekend. That will continue tomorrow. I think Armando Marsal is uh, set to join us on Friday, so it'll be good to have him with us to not only get his thoughts on the Thursday nighter between the Seahawks and the Cowboys, but also talk a bit about the upcoming weekend. So make sure to hang around for that. Also, tomorrow, some college football. Uh, as Ray knows, it is championship weekend in college football. Uh, Pac-12 championship, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, all those big battles going on. So a lot of showdown slates you can play in DFS, and we'll get you a preview of those. Uh, Ray, quickly, baseball. Uh, we had some signings yesterday, not huge signings. Uh, it's kind of been interesting. Outside of Sonny Gray, mm -hmm. the guys who have signed thus far in baseball have been like the, the third tier kind of free agents. Uh, yesterday, Luis Severino. One year, $13 million to the Mets. And then the Reds added a couple of pitchers. Nick Martinez, who I say that name, people like, who the hell is that? Well, folks, he'll be making $13 million next season. He got a two-year, $26 million deal. And Emilio Pagan got two years, 16. Both those, Pagan and Nick Martinez going to the Reds. I would guess, Ray, the Severino, you know, that's a name people know and, and have seen for a number of years now. Moving from the Yankees to the Mets, what's the outlook there with him? Great question. Uh, he's going to be a hot button topic in fantasy baseball in 2024 because he's he'll, he'll be turning 30 in February. He's young. Uh, last year was a mess. So beyond everyone's uh, last year's bums, bounce back candidate list. Uh, it was a disaster last year. It was just the, the results were disastrous last year. But if you peel back a little bit and you look, there are still signs here that things might be OK. Uh, the number one issue that he needs to rectify is he basically lost the strike zone last year. Walk rate really went up. Strikeout rate kind of vanished because of that. Uh, he's a good get for the Mets at that price point. I think he's going to be a good addition in fantasy baseball, depending upon the cost. He's one of those guys that might start out at pick 220, and then it starts moving up. And by the end of the you know, preseason, it's up He'll to be pick popular. 152. Yeah. yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on the cost. But I think there are reasons to think that a rebound is coming for Severino. It's hard to predict full rebound to where you know he's pitching on greatness levels. But I think it's reasonable to suggest he will be a usable mixed league asset in 2024. And speaking, I don't want to say it's been a slow start to free agency, but, you know, it's kind of middling, maybe assigning a day. Uh, Sunday slash Monday, uh, the MLB winter meetings begin in Nashville. And, of course, traditionally, that's where we see a lot of signings. We'll see if Otani decides the Inca deal, some of these other big names like Cody Bellinger. Uh, Blake Snell, we'll see if they find a new home for uh, 2024 and beyond, but that's next week. So hopefully uh, we'll be busy with a lot of hot stove and uh, Ray will be busy writing because he's always complaining. Where's the work? Give me some more work. You know, I need more work. <laughs> Ray, I'm done with you. I won't bother you for oh. 23 hours. How about that? Okay. <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Ray and I will be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Uh, enjoy the action tonight. Check out Ryan Clifford's DFS article. NHL and NBA still going on. We cover the DFS slate there too. Uh, so no matter your sport, no matter what keeps you interested, hell, maybe all of it keeps you interested. Uh, columns are coming out pretty well on the hour. I mean, you get this late in the week, 
there's columns all over the place. So, uh, Ray, your latest uh, game day column also up, the, the big breakdown, yep. the giant breakdown. Went up this morning, kind of an intro to the week for people. All the matchups discussed, broken down, thousands upon thousands of words, graphs, charts. Well, maybe not graphs, charts. <laughs> uh, that is available right now. The Coffin Corner piece will come out tomorrow where I dive in and do a little bit more digging in the, the numbers that are fun to look at. But as you said, the staff is working hard. Stuff for Thursday night football, stuff looking ahead for the rest of the week. It's all coming out there over at fantasyguru.com. And and in closing, I noticed in the chat room, I, I get it, Hal. To, to write such a thing, you would be incredulous. It's like, seriously, are we there? But yes, Ray, Flacco over Zappy, right? <laughs> quarterback 23 over quarterback 25. <laughs> Correct. There, that, that's, that last part is huge. It's not Joe Flacco to the moon. It's that if we had to, or at least if I had to, that's the choice I would make. I would certainly hope I don't have to make that. Yeah, I, I would love to tell you I'm leaning into that decision with a lot of confidence, but I I would have just as much confidence in flipping a coin between those two. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Uh, Ray, have a good one. Good stuff today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Kyle. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. It is Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.